you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Without further ado! That's what the game's all about. All of a sudden you feel like you can't miss. I'm going to leave it up here. You couldn't make that if you tried that again. Absolutely not. Welcome to Buckets. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. This is part two of our NBA preseason best bets. I'm joined today by Preston Johnson, a.k.a. at Sports Cheetah on Twitter, and Justin Fan at, we'll talk about this on the show, but at JFand, J-P-H-A-N-N-E-D, on Twitter. Justin is the founder of Fantasy Labs NBA. He's worked with me at the Action Network, and these two are two of the sharpest NBA pro betters that you're going to find. So wanted to have them on. We do a great round table, go through their best bets for the NBA preseason. Part one with Raheem Palmer and Brandon Anderson is up now in your feed. You can listen to that. We go over some different bets here. There are some crossover because, you know, sharp minds are attracted to the same ideas, but lots of good discussion here. Hope you guys enjoy it. Want to remind you that if you are doing any sort of betting, you need to be tracking your picks in the Action Network app is the absolute best way for you to track your picks. You can get information on money line movement, spread movement, total movement, where the money is coming in versus the bets, pro signals, our model indicators, system plays, as well as all of our content. I have 30 individual columns on each team and their win total to help analyze if you want to bet on their futures. Check them out at Action Network. Brandon Anderson's got pieces up on MVP and his win totals. You got Raheem Palmer with pieces on how to bet the NBA. There's so much great stuff. Check it out. We got lots of stuff this week on the NBA getting you set for the start of the season. Okay, here is NBA preseason best bets with Justin Fan and Preston Johnson. Enjoy. All right, joining me, professional betters, extraordinaire, legends in the sports betting community, especially for NBA. Preston Johnson, sports cheetah, Justin Fan, JP. How do I say your Twitter handle? How do I pronounce that? J Fan. J Fan Ed. J Fan. J Fan. Uh, you can find him on Twitter in the uh, pro- in the description of the show. Founder of Fantasy Labs and professional better extraordinaire. Two of the sharpest minds uh, in my experience when it comes to NBA betting. Very glad to have them on board with a little roundtable about NBA best bets in preseason. So I'm not going to chit chat or dilly dally or mess with anything else. Let's get right down to these picks. Uh, let's start with Preston. We'll go back and forth between you and Justin. Preston, give me one of your best bets for NBA preseason. Sure. Before we do that, I actually have never asked Justin what it means to get J-Fan. Is there like some root of like, like, what is it? 
what happens if I'm JFAN? I actually don't know the like yeah. history behind this. So, so it started uh, in college when we had a home game in the dorms, uh, freshman and sophomore year. We play like every day. We play cash game like two five or something. And um, my, my hand, my, my my hand is Queen Jack, and every time I won with Queen Jack, uh, you got JFAN. So that's where it started. And um, you know, full tilt poker stars. That was my that was my screen name as well. So it's, it goes it goes back to poker in in the college days. I just needed to get that out of the way, Matt. I apologize. No, it was it important. So here, here's how badly my brain is broken is that I know his name is Justin fan. I know his initials are first, first initial J fan. And I'm not kidding. Every single time I've looked at it, it is embedded in my brain is JP Hennad. And that does not make any sense whatsoever because I'm kind of an idiot. Um, Queen 10, by the way, my favorite hand in poker. Queen 10 is uh, my particular favorite. Yeah, Matt, you think differently than uh, a lot of other people do, and oh that's boy. okay. That's but a, that, that is that's an interesting way to look at it. Let's that, jump in, though. What, I, a, what I, a polite way to describe my brain. You think yeah, differently. It, it, it's than a different people. way to look at things. <laughs> All right. What's your best first best bet for us? I think with the recent Zion news with his foot, I'll just go directly to the Pelicans under the 39 and a half wins as a roster that I think got worse overall anyway. And I'm not sure the mix with Ingram and Zion fits regardless. Now we don't even know if Zion who's probably one of their most impactful players is going to play or who knows how many games until he's at least healthy enough. And then if that's the case, minutes, load management, whatever it may be, uh, I don't see him getting to 50% very often. It's one of my biggest edges now with the uncertainty with Zion. I liked under anyway. Um, there's an argument to be made. They're like the second worst team in the West. I think for sure the Rockets are a worse roster, but without Zion, like this Pelican seems really going to struggle. And, and, you know, I, stand for all the young Lakers guys that were drafted when the Lakers were in their lull. And I love Brandon Ingram, but at the same time, I'm okay to admit that he's never been a winning player, no matter what level he's been on. Even when he was playing with LeBron James for a year, they struggled to win games. And now he's going to lead a team that just isn't as good to 50% win percentage, more or less uh, in a West during conference. I I can't do it. I just got to go under and I'd bet it regardless of the Zion news, but more recently with the uncertainty since his foot surgery, I think, uh, it's just better now. It's only going to go down before season starts and more info comes out there. I've looked for, you know, alternate ways to bet this in terms of seating. And there's not really a good one there. Um, the, the worst record in conference is an interesting one. That one is available at certain books. And I think that one's kind of uh, at least interesting. If you think the Pelican is just completely self-destruct, but they remember just, the price. Uh, I don't have them. I look it up while we're talking. Um, but I agree with you. Like, when David Griffin came out and just suddenly dropped like, yeah, you know, Zion had a foot surgery, but no big deal. <laughs> we're all like, wait, hang on, wait, wait, back, back up, back up. Um, and, and yeah, I, I don't like the chemistry fit. My only concern, like Trey Murphy is like my biggest concern. Like I think Trey Murphy's going to be awesome this year. And I like the, I actually like the fit with, with Valanchunas quite a bit, sure. but I continue. The biggest concern I continue to have with the team is just like, they don't, they all look like they are just there. So they don't get fined. And until I see any sort of spark with this team and maybe Willie Green's able to get through to them, but the young talent is, is like NAW and Jackson Hayes and all that. It's good, but it still feels like it's going to be a couple of years. It feels like this is yeah. not the year that they make that leap. Uh, what do you think? I wanted to ask you Matt real quick before we move on to Justin's bet. Do you have anything on Willie Green? I know he's an assistant with the Suns. Like, like, is there any just kind of general media, MBA, you know, audience read on him and his impact or effect on this team? So the kind of the going thing is more of a team connections player forward coach than he is an X's and O's genius. Like he talked about that 
in his intro press conference. That was part of my win totals preview on action was like, okay. he made it very clear about where he's, he's trying to address what I think is the biggest problem on the team, which is that they don't play together. They're not connected and that's good. I just don't know if you can get a connection with Zion. I don't know if you can do that. Like somebody was mentioning this to me, um, a, a Pelicans writer was mentioning to me that basically Zion was unhappy in high school. He made a, a ruckus then that if you dug under the surface, he was unhappy at Duke a lot of the time that he's just been like a disruptive grumpy force pretty much wherever he's been. And that's on top of the injury stuff. And that, I think all of those, I think are red flags. Justin, what do you think? Yeah, actually Pelicans under was one of my best bets too. Um, Zion's like has no shot at being ready for the opening. He hasn't even started running or participating in team drills yet. Uh, Still about to go undergo some scans in the, in the upcoming days. So yeah, I'd be shocked if he's ready for the opener and it could be out a couple of weeks, a month. We don't even know. Like they've been very secretive so far. It gives me Kawhi Leonard vibes with just the the secrecy around, um, you know, his health and 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 his foot. And yeah, I'm still not really sold on that backcourt at all. Um, you know, they added Saturansky, Kyra Lewis, Nikhil Alexander Walker is going to start. Um, like Trey Murphy, like you said, I think he's had a exceptional, um, you know, looked great in Vegas, but he still has to get past Garrett Temple, uh, technically on the depth chart. So, um, yeah, I, I just don't see how, how this team is competitive defensively, especially, you know, and, and with Zion, not a hundred percent. I, I, yeah, I just don't see it. I think they will be well under 39 and a half wins. Justin, give me one of your best bets. Yeah, I'll go Lakers under. Uh, went went here last season. I'll go back again, and this has something to do with the recent news. Um, they were translated over eighty-two games, a forty-eight win team last year, and this is at fifty-three and a half. It's a pretty sizable jump, and they're returning just twenty-three percent of their minutes from last season, which is the lowest by far of any team. Um, We've seen Russ struggle big time so far in the preseason through two games, just a terrible fit overall alongside LeBron, needs the ball in his hands, uh, doesn't really do much off the ball, doesn't defend an exceptionally high level. And their wing depth was already a lot of question marks, like finding that balance between spacing and, and defense. And they, a couple of hits already so far in the, the, the off season, just town horror Tucker, uh, torn thumb ligament. He'll be out for an extended period of time. Trevor Reza ankle surgery out two months. Um, Malik months, not healthy. He's out at least a week with a groin strain. So yeah, I mean, they're going to lean a bit too much on the likes of Kent Bazemore, um, mellow, uh, Kendrick Nunn for my liking. So, uh, uh, yeah, and, and we've seen um, LeBron be mortal over the last couple of seasons. He's going to miss some games. Uh, he's getting up there in minutes, second all time, I believe. So, um, yeah, I just I don't see how this team comes close to 53 and a half wins. I think that's just super aggressive, in my opinion. And um, I honestly probably think the Warriors uh, have a really good shot at finishing with more wins uh, this season than the Lakers. I like the Warriors as well. We'll definitely be talking about them here in a little bit. I, you know, it's interesting. I think the injury stuff definitely does play a part in how you have to cap this just because Ariza was thought to be like a significant part of this. And now, you know, he's out and THG was thought to be a significant part of this. And now he's out and now you're down. Like this is all leading to more Carmelo Anthony. And that's, that's not what you want. You don't, you don't want more Carmelo Anthony in your life as if you're a Lakers better, that's, that's not what you're looking for. Uh, Preston as a Lakers fan, but also an extremely sharp individual. What do you think about the Lakers situation? 
So Justin and I, we talked about it a little bit just in a thread with some MBA friends of ours briefly, but I, the question marks were already there. And I know Russ was supposed to be this guy that was the, the regular season savior. I mean, I still think that's a huge question mark that he can just go hard and, you know, the Lakers will somehow be a top seed and win 52 plus games. So with the question marks already at wing, I'm, I'm with Justin. I had this marked, I kind of have gone in order of favorite win totals here on my sheet. And um, that would have been like my fifth one I chose as well. So I'm in agreement uh, for the most part. And I just think it's pretty unlikely that LeBron and AD are going to play full seasons here. And I think they still think they would have won the series if AD doesn't get hurt last year, even as a seven seed. Like, I don't think they're as concerned. And it's like the rest move is more the excuse is, oh, we'll be better in the regular season day to day or game to game than, than it, they actually care. LeBron cares if he's a one or two seed. So there's a 51 and a half on the board at, at Superbook. And to me, I, I, like, I like the over at that spot. Like, I don't like them. I like the Jazz. I've already bet the Jazz to be number one seed in the West. I like that bet quite a that, bit. That was my next one, by the way. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. But <laughs> at 51 and a half, I mean, we're basically just saying is a LeBron AD team with Russell Westbrook as kind of a, a reinforcing structure in injury spots where they're facing bad teams. Like, I'm not asking, like, Russ to get them – wins without LeBron versus the Nets or the Bucks or even the Nuggets and Suns. But like they're it's Tuesday in February. They're facing the Magic. Russ gets a triple double. The Lakers win by six. Like that seems pretty reasonable. I, I do think Russ winds up helping. I, I know that where Justin's at with Russ, but congrats, I feel congrats on being the worst <laughs> team in the league by six, Matt Moore. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I do think this though, I think Russ is going to help Anthony Davis quite a bit because he'll just drive and do those little dump offs. I read a lot about that, about how Davis likes those baseline jumpers. And if it's just like, he's hanging out in the dunker spot, Westbrook drives, draws a defender, drops it off to Davis for what's essentially the Serge Ibaka baseline eight footer. Davis will eat in those situations. And that's enough to get you past. I think most, like a lot of teams night to night, in the NBA, at least to a 50 win pace. And then we're, you know, one, we're too short of the over. I feel like at 53 and a half, I don't like it, but at the 51 and a half mark, I know this is only a two win differential. Like Justin, you see them as a, a sub 50 team. I think there's a very good chance. Uh, just kind of extrapolating the wins, the, the, the games played that I have for LeBron and AD, the missing time, um, their lack of depth now on the wing with the injuries to, um, Trevor Reza and THT. Uh, I, I just, I need to see Russ off the ball. Like he, the percent, he had 11.1 percentage of his shots. be catch and shoot at variety last year, which was the lowest in the league. I, I don't know what he's going to do off the ball. Um, maybe they can get creative. LeBron gets in the screen a little bit more away from the ball, but it, I, I just, I don't know what he provides off the ball. And you got, you got, you have a, a guy like LeBron who needs the ball in his hands. I just, I really don't, I need to see it. I really don't, we didn't see that in Washington either. And the lineups with Beal off the court and Russ on the court were terrible. So um, I, I, I'm highly skeptical. What do, what do you think, Preston? Yeah, I wanted to add one thing as like a Laker fan a few weeks ago, all of us started getting excited because there was a report that the Lakers were going to finally play Anthony Davis at the five this year. We were like, oh, this is great. They needed the spacing anyway because Russ is on the floor with AD and LeBron. Like, all right, we have enough of these wings with Monk and Ellington or Ariza at the time, THT. We'll make it fit. And then, like, the preseason games are starting DeAndre Jordan. 
and like another center alongside AD. And it's like, actually AD, like his thing has always been, I don't want to play center that much. And I think that's like a massive mistake too. And if, if they're going to win enough games, game to game, it needs to be AD at the center for a high majority of their minutes. And it just doesn't seem like that's going to be the case either. Yeah. I'd probably expect like half of his minutes to come at center. Um, and then uh, that that's what I would have the split at um, coming in the season. A, a classic Lucy in the football with the Lakers fans and AD. It's always, <laughs> no, this is, this is it. This is, he's finally going to play center. No, uh, oh no. DeAndre Jordan <laughs> is playing half of his print starting alongside Freaking AD. DJ. Yeah. Um, all right, Preston, you mentioned them, but I want to get back to you. Yeah. Uh, this is my best bet on the board. This is my favorite bet of the season. This is the biggest future bet that I got. So you should immediately be terrified. Uh, I also am with you on the Utah Jazz. Yeah, I need to audible. I don't know. My, my bet wasn't uh, reaching as far as yours, as far as top seed. I think that's great. Uh, but the 51 and a half, I know there's some 52 and a halves as well. I think both are okay, but obviously 51 and a half is better. It's way too low. Not only is it like, Hey, this team just won 52 games last year. Uh, I'm not, I'm not sure what the perception is to be honest, or what the mistake is or why people think it was fluky. Like this team just started shooting a ton of threes. They have a lot of guys that can actually make them their one weakness, maybe even from a regular season standpoint, which didn't really manifest itself anyway, was their depth. And then they added Rudy Gay, Eric Pascal, and even Whiteside, like just guys that can fill in and play more minutes than um, they're like eight through 10 guys a year ago. And they have, I think it's grades out for me as the fifth easiest schedule in the NBA, hopefully going to play 82 games this year instead of 72. And they only have to get to the same number to cash us. And look, Rudy Gobert, whatever you want to say about him and the team in the playoffs, uh, his impact as a regular season player defensively and, and, and offensively is dramatic and one of the best in the league. And Mitchell's only getting better himself. And I just like this team's just way better than where it's currently aligned, in my opinion. And there's not like enough Western Conference teams that are making huge leaps that should suddenly like make it so Utah can't win 52 plus again with 10 more tries at it. So uh, the Jazz over. I, I think one seed bet, whatever your price is, you can get into it. But I think that's totally a great look, too. There is a couple of bets on the board that I just thought the market got a little too cute with trying to overcorrect. I think the Knicks are another team in this category, actually. Yeah. But. Uh, over his one. Yeah. With the jazz, like when I sat down to do their win total, I was like, all right, this is probably like what, like 56, 57. Uh, great chance to bet the under. And then I was like 51 and a half. Are you out of your fucking <laughs> mind? Um, and then I looked at like their Pythagorean expectation on cleaning the glass. Like if you're looking at it and you say like, well, look, they're not going to be as good as last year. They were below what they should have been last year. Like right. their Pythagorean expectation per 82 last year was 66. So at 51, it was 62.6, I think, was there over 82? It so might have been 66 over 82 games or yeah, something. Their, yeah. Their, their Pythag was like 55 wins, I think. Uh, last. Yeah. 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 So we're talking about like a, a 14 game win regression that still hits you over if you get the 51 and a half like I did. Like it's mind boggling. I'll tell you this. I pay a lot of attention to QSI, which is second spectrums. How did you shoot versus expectation? Cause like, that's where it really shows you the variance. It's boosted by having better shooters for sure. Like that's a lot of it. It's like, if you have good shooters, you're going to shoot better than expected. Cause you have good shooters. It's based off of where you shoot from and how close the defenders were. What contest level was it? The jazz were actually relatively on point. Like they weren't the gap with them was pretty reasonable compared to the other teams around them, like the Nets and the Clippers that hot, that hit pretty low percentage shots at a very high percentage rate. 
the jazz just create great shots in the NBA regular season. Rudy Gobert, like everybody plays drop. Rudy Gobert is the best drop defender. I'm with you. I love this. I bet the over at 51 and a half. Uh, I bet at 52 and a half of the book. I, I've got the jazz number one seed. It's, it's so obvious. It's obviously going to fail. Looking forward to that. <laughs> Justin, your thoughts. Let me, let me, let me just play like slight devil's advocate just to, just to argue with the other side. I'm with you guys. I, I lean that way for sure. I do think they ran pretty well just with injuries last year. I know Conley yeah. missed time. Donovan Mitchell missed a little time, but they ran pretty well. Like five of their top seven were basically did not miss any games. Right. Um, I think their depth is a concern. Uh, you mentioned Rudy Gay. He's already out right now. He's sidelined with a heel injury. He's not going to be ready for the start of the season. They added Hassan Whiteside behind um, Rudy Gobert, who couldn't even crack the rotation in Sacramento. He's terrible now. And so, like, beyond Jordan Clarkson, beyond Joe Ingles, like, it's iffy. So, if they don't run well with injuries anymore, that can be a concern. Um, and they basically have seven plus, you know, uh, Rudy Gay, who's not healthy right now. Pascal, we'll see what he can contribute. He's like decent. So, I mean, that would be my counter, I guess, is just depth and how well they ran with injuries last year. Kind of fair. I'll, let me just add one more thing, Matt. I, I want to, I still think they're, if, you know, if they are healthy, they're deeper than they were a year ago. Like they played Yang like so many minutes that an Oni, they might not have to go that route once game is good to go, but I like, I like, I like Niang personally. Yeah. You, yeah. Because he played along one of the best team in the league. Yeah. I mean, like plug in some other guys that are actually better players and I think they'll be in good shape. I just want to add one more thing. The concerns about the Lakers already look, it's not like, like the Denver nuggets in their own division. No Jamal Murray for a while. No Kawhi Leonard with the Clippers. Like it's not like there's these teams in the West, especially at that top tier that are healthier, like mm-hmm. going to be suddenly better than last year. I, and we're talking about a regular season where you're pretty much in full strength from the get-go. I'll take the team that's in full strength from the get-go versus these other teams that have key guys out from the get-go. And Zion is another one with the Pelicans. So it just, it just lines up that this is like the team that I think has the best shot and path at the one seed for the West. On both of those points. Uh, I actually, this is what I thought was interesting. So they had, they had uh, the eighth best number of games lost to injury last season, but they had the 10th highest VORP loss. That's via mangameslost.com. So that comes from, they missed Mitchell and Conley. Mitchell missed 18 and Conley missed 16 in the in the season. That's where a lot of that comes from. And they still managed to get that 59 win pace. Um, the other key point here is schedule. They have positive residual, which does factor altitude. So that's why Nuggets and Jazz are number one, but they do have the easiest schedule in the league. And then on top of it, Utah's tied for the third uh, fewest rest disadvantage games. They just don't have weak spots. And early in the season when Gay's out, 18 of 31 games at home before Christmas. They got their schedule versus the Nuggets. The Nuggets have an easier back end. The Jazz have an easier front end. And that that's going to be easy for them to rack up a bunch of wins early and then coast out to go ahead and hit the over. Um, Justin, what's your next best bet? Yeah, so I'm going to I mentioned this earlier. Um, the Knicks over at 41 and a half. You can get that on DraftKings. They were a 47 win team last season translated over 82 games. So this, this presumes a pretty big drop. Uh, I thought the addition of Kemba Walker was a much needed shot in the arm for this offense. They relied too much on Derek Rose, too much on Julius Randle. We saw them, their offense get exposed in the playoffs. Uh, I thought getting him was, was huge. Uh, I do expect a little bit of a drop off defensively, but we know a Tom, 
Thibodeau team is going to be solid on that end. Uh, they're going to be sharp in the rotations. They're going to be uh, giving their max effort. And one big thing that continues to be a strong point for this team is their second unit. Um, the minutes with Derek Rose, uh, Emmanuel Quickly, and Alec Burks together murdered last season, and they'll continue to do that this season. Nerlens Noel in that second unit as well. Obi Toppin should take a, a bit of a step uh, forward too. So, yeah, I think this team is really solid from one through ten. Tibbetts is going to coach every regular season game like it's Game Seven, the Eastern Conference Finals. He's going to squeeze every bit of win equity out of every game. So, um, yeah, I, I, I like this team quite a bit. I don't think there's going to be that significant of a drop off where they're going to lose, you know, five plus wins from their expectation last season. Yeah, I'm with you. I just think the market over uh, it's I was really stunned because I expected, all right, the Knicks, big public team, very popular, you know, lots of you've got the the New Jersey market all of these type of things, I figured it would go pretty high. I thought they would bank on them being as good as last season. And instead they're basically saying, no, 500. I was like, I just don't understand where the thinking is that they're a sub 500 team. Like defensively, they're not going to be as good, but I think especially just expecting the betters to go for that level of regression was a little bit shocking to me. Preston? Yeah, one thing one thing I'll pay attention to that I we could see some regression is there's is their opponent three point shooting. Uh, they were the opponent shot like terribly from three against the Knicks mm-hmm. all season, and that was a bit of a fluke. I know Tibbs Tibbs uh, you know asks of sharp rotations from his players, but that only explains some of it. Uh, should see some regression there. So yeah, I, I'm curious to see how much. They give back on defense, but like I said, the addition of Kemba Walker should really help their offense. And they have the depth to where Kemba doesn't have to play 32 minutes a game, doesn't have to play um, 75 games a, a season. So, um, you know, I think net net, it should be about even where they're gaining on offense, what they're giving back on defense. Yeah, the best way to kind of phrase that is uh, the Knicks had the uh, second highest expected opponent. EFG and the second lowest actual. So they were, they were second best in allowing versus second worst in what they should have allowed. So that differentials probably, and they, the, the stats like Seth part now in particular, the athletic friend of mine, it was was like, it's got to come back down. It's, and it just didn't last year. So I think they're, they're going to have to pay that price, at least in terms of being more average this season, no way they get that kind of luck this year. But even then, I I agree. The offense should improve. I'll add this. uh, Really what this tells me, and I have it circled anyway, if Kemba can be any sort of help offensively and some, and even Fournier, some of the other pieces that they've added there. And then defensively, those guys can get hunted. And if there's regression on the three point shooting, which is just unsustainably bad for their opponents overs and next games to start the year after what we all saw last year, something to consider. I would be surprised if you like blindly bet the first five or six, you weren't profitable. And I don't even know what the numbers are yet. Again, it's going to be dependent a little bit on where the market's at, but my guess is the market will be too low in the first week or two of next games there. Interesting. I would agree. I would agree. I think the pace picks up a little bit and there's some slippage on the defensive end that's, that's gained on the offensive end. So I would agree with that generally. Just, just depends. Preston, what do you got next for a best bet? So Matt had me on pod about a month ago, maybe not even quite that long ago, but I was my first time going through some NBA preseason numbers and win totals. And I just couldn't get past the fact that Popovich is like 28 and a half to 29 and a half. And I know 
He's old, supposed to retire. Spurs aren't as good. Look, I'm I'm gonna bet on Popovich to get to 29 plus wins. Like I, I just the team I don't think is actually that bad when it's all said and done. They lose to Rosen, who was sneakily really good last year. And we can talk about him more later if we want to get into the Bulls and some of the stuff they've been doing preseason. But I still think this uh Spurs team's better than than the number. That's just that's just ultimately what it is. I could start going through, you know, Murray White, Kelvin Johnson being with the Olympic team on the ad, Zach Collins, Thad Young, Doug McDermott. They're guys that at least can play to some extent. And uh, I still like, you know, Jakob Pertle's a fine serviceable center. Defensively they're really strong when he's there. Maybe Devin Vassell and uh Lonnie Walker or other guys in wings that could take a leap. But regardless, I think schematically the Spurs have always been a, similar to the Jazz like we've talked about week to week, game to game in the regular season, they take advantage and, and beat the teams they're supposed to beat. Now, they're not going to be as frequently favorites, but uh, my projection was, I think, I think closer to 33 wins when I ran my stuff. And so 28 and a half, especially lo- love the over for the Spurs. Just got to go with it. And uh, it's kind of dangerous, but this is a team that, by the way, won 33 last year in 72 games, 132 the year prior in 71 games. Can they get to 29 in 82 games? Without DeRozan and Aldridge, I think it's possible. So, got to go with it. It's weird. I I should be on the over here because I trust Popovich and the Spurs infrastructure. I should love um, the young talent and the upside and their ability to to control the schedule. I have a couple of concerns. One, their highest. This is a very base level analysis, but their highest paid player, whether it's Derek White or Dejounte Murray, fifteen million a year. Any team in the NBA where the highest player paid player makes $15 million a year is going to be bad. Going to be real bad. I mean, just, just going by salary alone, they just, just say it out right. They don't have star power on this team. Yeah. It, it, they, it, the top end talent just isn't there. I mean, no disrespect to DeJounte, but like they don't have a go-to like go-to player at all. I, I think defense is going to dictate where this team is. I think if they can push towards Top ten, um, top eight. I think I they feel could definitely be in that range. I think I feel better about them hitting this over. Their offense is going to be stagnant. Um, still shooting a lot of long twos. Uh, don't have a lot of distribution. Uh, hopefully, Doug McDermott can can provide enough spacing for this entire starting unit. We'll see. Um, but I, I, I mean, long well, twos will go down. DeRozan's out. <laughs> They'll take advantage of opportunities um, now. I think I, I love Thad Young for this team. I think he'll be he'll be a, a really good addition. Though I think he'll get traded uh, very sooner rather than later too, which 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 will hurt them. So. Do you guys think, from an organizational standpoint, a franchise, the Spurs aren't one that give off the we're going to tank vibes, even if they're tanking the last two months. It just I, I don't. That's what I guess gives me some comfort too. Is if they aren't as good, they don't. They're not the Pistons or the Cavs or the Rockets where they're just going to auto start tanking in 30 games or the Thunder. So uh, unless you guys think that, or Matt, you've heard something differently. I just think this team will play through the season and Popovich has too much pride to just let his team fall off the rails. I I think there's a legit tanking threat because I think if they get to January and they're just like, we don't have it. Like we, we thought we wanted to see and see how the young guys did and see if we can make a leap and we just don't have it then I think it's pretty like if you're, if you're trying to scrape by, I think you fail because I do think that they transition to like, all right, we just got to reconfigure and go for, because look, OKC is a similar type of organization. And their whole thing is dedicated, very consistent 
plans. Like everything is very thought out. What does that mean though? So, I mean, last year for OKC, you had like Horford and George Hill. You can just like sit those guys, Muscala, sit, sit him. Like for the San Antonio team, they have a lot of like younger players like mm-hmm. Helen Johnson, Devin Vassell that they, that they need to give minutes to. They just can't be like, oh, we're going to start tanking. We're going to play like Josh Primo, Trey Jones, uh, Bates Jop. Like they need, they have a lot of like younger players where they're still going to play, give minutes to. They don't have like these older veterans where they can just start tanking and sit them out like DMP rest. Right. So like Shay's Shay's old, Shay's pretty young too. Hey, he had a foot injury, man. They they said he had a foot injury. Right. But like, so what, what is, what, what what I'm asking is like, what does tanking look like? It looks like, yeah, it looks like DeJounte, Derek white and whatever impact veteran, whether it's Doug McDermott or Thad young, those guys, like, that's what it looks like. That's that's like CD just like, like, yeah, no, okay. no, they dealing with a yeah. heel injury. My thing is as much like the Raptors this is my concern with Toronto too. Their organizations are, are championship focused. They are not just trying to scrape by and make a profit for an owner. Like they have intentions. The, everything they do is very long-term thought out. And even if this is pops last year, pops going to be in the mindset of like, I have to get them in a better, like I have to put them in the best place I can before I go. And the best yeah. place before they go in that scenario is probably tanking and, and getting them a high pick. So um, I don't, I go back and forth on it. Here's the last, my last concern with it, Preston is, uh, you know, I love his quarter bets and Spurs second quarters was golden for me last year because Patty Mills, who we'll talk about shortly and Yaka Pertle used to kill it. I love Yaka Pertle, liked him in Toronto, like him in San Antonio, but a lot of it was when Yaka would get pushed into the starting unit after LaMarcus went down, he really struggled. He is a player specifically built to take advantage of the lack of basketball IQ and cohesion on second units. And if Jakob's going to have to start more, I think he turns more into a negative. And that's like a, a small edge that goes away as well as Patty. Yeah, I think I would probably lean towards the over Preston, but it's probably no play for me just because I think there's a lot of question marks just around this roster and how, how it makes yeah. it through the, the course of the season. You're, but. you're either going to look like a genius or you're going to miss. Yeah, when they that. win 50% of their games, it's one of those where if you bet it, like, I don't know, like, is it points bet where you can bet like an over 200 and point, 200 and a half on a total? And if yeah. it goes over by 30 you win 30 units or whatever your bet is. If it goes under by 30, you lose 30. Like you can basically make your bet on leverage. This would probably be a good one, whether you like over or under to bet on leverage, right? Where you're getting a team that could win 10 more games or potentially ends taking and doesn't even win 20. This is like a GPP bet of, uh, of, of, of win totals. Well, here's another one. Uh, Make the play in tournament is plus five fifty. So if you're Ooh, okay, so that's a similar type of, yeah. Yeah. Longer if you're term looking bet. for that kind of spot, uh, Justin, next best bet. Okay. Let's get, let's get into some, some other ones um, besides win totals. I'll go Hawks plus plus one thirty five to win the Southeast division on DraftKings. I actually think they ha- they're, they're the best team in the Southeast. I have them ahead of the, the Miami heat. Um, last season, they were translated at like a 47 win team. I, I think Vegas is still low on them at 47 and a half. Uh, you look at the DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, Clint Capella combinations, plus 16 net rating. 
96 defensive rating together. Love their offseason. Basically got DeLon Wright for free from Sacramento. Um, you know, their their bench is the best in the league. Their, their second unit is, uh, is obscene. And uh, I, I expect better health from DeAndre Hunter this season. He played just 23 games last year. We saw John Collins take a leap in the playoffs. And continuity is a big thing. They're returning 85% of their minutes from last season, which is second most in the league behind Phoenix. So um, I, I love them this year. And I, I just think the Heat are a team that's built for the playoffs. I really question their depth. They're going to have to play guys like Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, uh, Opala, Dwayne Dadman a little bit more than I than I want them to. Uh, they're a little too uh, reliant on you know, guys like Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler saying how to do throughout the course of the season. So I just think in the regular season, especially in winning that Southeast division, I, I love the Hawks this year. I regret to inform you that I'm with you. So you and you were <laughs> once again, handcuffed to me. Uh, I am all over this. The preseason has made me very nervous because the heat have looked like terminators and the Hawks have been a little bit of a mess because Trey got hurt almost immediately. And just the, I think one of the concerns with the Hawks is just, that was such a, that was a late playoff run, right? Conference finals banged up trying to get healthy, short off season coming into camp. Like that, that I think is the biggest concern for them. Their schedule is a cake. They have an easy schedule. The division soft, like Hornets, magic wizards. That's a, a set of easy wins to get night by night over a large percentage of their, uh, of their schedule. Um, I, I think tra- I've, I'll say it. I got, a, I got a small dabble on Trey MVP odds just to see where they get to. By the end of the season, uh, I like this team a lot. I like their their chances of being uh, a three seed. I like their under on on seeding as well. I think it's five and a half is where they've been seeded at. Uh, I've taken the over on their wins. Uh, I'm with you. I just think that this team is the continuity schedule, their momentum. Here, one more thing. I did the, this research that I thought was really interesting. I looked at basically I went back and looked at at dynamic explosive players in their that make that big leap in the playoffs. So Derrick Rose, 2009. Steph Curry, 2013. Um, Damian Lillard, 2012, these type of guys that have that, that, that season where they break in, they go further than people expect what happens the next season, their win total regresses, but they still hit the over. That was the pattern that I found when I looked at those, it basically suggested that the market, uh, overcorrected based off of the the previous year and was basically like, we're not going to make this big jump because they had this big season. And they just slightly underexpected them uh, in terms of the win total. So I like the division odds there as well. The heat, for whatever reason, I just, there's something about it where I'm like, eh, I don't know, eh. but I'm, I'm ready to be wrong on, on the heat. You got any thoughts on that Preston? Yeah, we talked about it a little bit. Uh, I think on the last podcast where you were more of the concern with all of the guys that are going to just be load managed to get to the playoffs rather than I think what I was saying was that, the value on the heat. I'm trying to look it up real quick to, to win the division. I believe it was slightly plus money, which again, I know people are super bullish. The Hawks, I know that they made that run late in the playoffs and I didn't want to discredit them, but they didn't really do it against very good teams or situations. And so my initial thought at the time was, Hey, the heat at plus money to win the division seems value having heard what you said and like adjusting for actual like projections, like how many games are these Butler Lowry, how how many games are they really going to play? You're probably right. It's probably just to stay away. Or if you want to just roll with the Hawks and you think their leap was significant and here to stay, um, I'm passing, but 
yeah, the Miami Heat, I kind of just had to do like, all right, 67 to 75% games played for a lot of these main guys because, or even, even lower if it's an injury. Right. So um, yeah, I ended up just staying away. Let's uh, run through some final best bets. Just give me a, a handful of the ones that you guys have. Preston, I'll start with you. What are some other ones that you've got on your board? Sure. I got one that this kind of molds into potentially like three bets. Uh, I, I'm not betting against the Mavs or they're under uh, because I think Luca's just that good that they can wow. win 40, 48 or 49 plus games. Anyway, I'm not betting the over either. I think it's really interesting when you look at the impact of Rick Carlisle versus Jason Kidd. Uh, I think it's interesting how good the Bucks got once Jason Kidd was no longer a coach for the Bucks. Uh, I know he did fine as an assistant, the Lakers, whatever. I think there's a big question mark there. So I'm just going to pass. I think that may mean, though, that there's potential value on Pacer stuff. Uh, I'm not sure if I want to rush without Karis LeVert, who's supposedly going to be ready near the start of the season. But TJ Warren also, he's still out indefinitely. I think they're reassessing something, uh, his foot in like three weeks. Um, but they're, I'm trying to find their season win total number. I don't have it in front Yeah, it's like 42 and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 42 and a half. So I think if you wanted to bet on Carlisle, or rather than betting against Luca, it's betting on this Pacers team in an avenue or path that Lavert's good. And obviously they have other guys like Sabonis and Brogdon. And, and by the way, uh, Jeremy Lamb should be healthy and back and is a good bench piece or can be a good bench piece. So I'll say this though. I think let's say Warren is out just like for a long time and Lavert stuff keeps him out longer. Chris Duarte is probably like the most not the most, but one of the more NBA ready rookies, he's 24 year, years old, can jump in and play that wing spot along Sabonis, alongside Sabonis and Brogdon, who can get him the ball in good spots. And, you know, just schematically with what Carlisle does, 50 to one on Duarte to win rookie of the year. It's a bet kind of on Carlisle. It's kind of a bet that some of these other injuries early with Levert and Warren, uh, you know, extend more than just a few weeks to start the season. And he maybe even if those guys are playing Duarte can still play 24 minutes a game and score 15 and just be a good impact guy. So I, I like Duarte at 50 to one to win rookie of the year. Yeah, I think, and Pacers over slightly. I think a path there too is Jeremy Lamb gets traded, which is possible. It clears up some minutes on the wing for for Duarte. Yeah. Um, I'm shocked you're not touching this Mavs win total because it's the annual tradition that uh, Preston bets the over on the Mavs. And, and then, then it Rob just wins. And make, Rob and I make fun of you for... <laughs> Uh, you know, thinking with your calculator versus uh, with the eye test, which Rob and I will lean to uh, sometimes. So, yeah, surprise, surprise, you're not touching that. I, I man, Jason, what, what do you guys think? The what, what is Carlisle the Jason Kidd worth in wins per season? It's hard to really know, like, I can't quantify it, but like in your head, if you were to like say that's like three wins, I mean, that's pretty significant three and a half, I, I, three and a half to four. Yeah, I think I think that's the difference between liking the Mavs as a potential team in the West yeah. and going 50 plus wins or not. Yeah, I, I think the Mavs will be bad defensively again. Jason Kidd's already talking about this like aggressive blitzing scheme that he tried at Milwaukee, which was a disaster. Oh, no. So, yeah, I, I'm very skeptical of this Mavs team. Um, they relied way too much on Tim Hardaway Jr. for my liking. Uh, I, I thought they like made some decent additions and like Reggie Bullock and Moses Brown, but yeah, Kid. it's just this is the thing. It's just I, I this is why I've said constantly. I can't do anything with this because it's like Luca, <laughs> yeah. but kid, Luca, <laughs> exactly. But kid, I've described them as from the Princess Bride. I cannot drink the wine in front of you. 
that's where I'm at mm-hmm. is like, I just, there, there's no way for me to figure this out between the two. Cause I'm going to feel like a moron if I go against them. Like I, I bet against them two years ago on the win total. I was like, there's this defense is going to be absolutely horrible. And it was, but they had the best offensive rating in NBA history and coasted over. And then last year I was like, okay, you know what? Luca is the only thing that matters here. Luca is awesome. Luca is going to be great over. And then Luca showed up out of shape and they struggled and they COVID. over, but yeah. just like, barely and so now i'm just like i don't i don't know i have no idea uh justin what do you got left on your best bets board yeah i'll go through some some player award props that i have i i in terms of mvp i like steph at plus 900 on dk I, I, love, I love this warriors team a lot this season um kerr is going to embrace small ball lineups with draymond at center um, more out of necessity, James Wiseman going to be miss some, miss some time to start. And you look at those lineups with Steph and and Draymond uh, at center together, murdered last season. Especially when you add guys like JTA in there as well, who was who was exceptional front court partner uh, with uh, with Draymond. Um, Joe Jordan Poole, I think, is going to take a huge leap this season. I cannot be more impressed with him how he's looked in the preseason. He'll be a great uh, stopgap until uh, Clay Thompson gets back in December, uh, January. And um, yeah, I, I think they have like really nice depth. Uh, guys like Kaminga and Moses Moody aren't going to even have to play a ton out the gate just because they have, you know, good pieces. I mentioned JTA, like him a lot. Bielitsa is going to fit well uh, as, as a backup center there. So yeah, I mean, they have legitimate paths to improving over the course of the season too. Moses Moody, Kaminga, two guys only going to get better over the course of the season. They have Clay Thompson in their back pocket. I yeah, I I would probably take Warriors wins over Lakers wins straight up. Um, if I had to, obviously that you no, know, that's not going to be priced that way. But that's the way I lean a lot. Yeah, so I love Steph at plus nine hundred. Uh, a couple others I like SGA most improved at plus sixteen hundred on Fanduel. You look at four of the last most improved award winners. They were all stars, and the the one that wasn't was Pascal Siakam. He was right on that all star bubble. And you look at like the the leaders in the MIP odds. It's like Kevin Porter Jr., Jordan Poole, um, Michael Porter Jr. Like none of those guys scream like they're going to be all-stars this year. Maybe MPJ gets there. But SGA should have been an all-star last year or, or had, a, had a case to be the one on the or two on the bubble. Like he was there last season already. Like he's he's been he's proven that he can play at an all-star level. And I think this year he has a realistic shot at going 26, five and five on 50, 40, 80 shooting. I mean, he's just that good. Love the roster around him. Josh Giddy, I can't be more excited about him starting at small forward. So SGA at 1600, I love that. And then Patty Mills plus 1900 at six man of the year. Another one I'm on um, Kyrie news today, obviously helps that. And it also helps that to say Kyrie misses a big chunk of the season. Patty Mills still not going to start. They'll, they'll, they'll start James Harden at point guard and Bruce Brown at the off guard. And Patty Mills will remain in that six man role and, and remain eligible um, for uh, this award. So uh, yeah, uh, Steph Curry plus 900 MVP, SGA most improved plus 1600 and Patty Mills six man of the year at plus 1900 or the three of mine. Look, either I've gotten sharper from being around you and getting berated by you, or you've gotten squarer. Yeah. by being around me too long because you and I are, are way too much on the same board. It makes me feel good. You should be concerned. I like all those bets. The SGA one, I only think I would say 
if you like SGA's all-star odds, you better be betting the Thunder over win total at 22 and a half because in order for him to get there, the he'll have to be a coach's recommendation and the coaches are not going to let him in unless that team is decent. You don't have to be good, but you can't be terrible and get in. So I think if you, if you like SGA there, you need to think that his impact is going to be good enough to raise the floor on that team and they're going to coast over that 22 and a half. Yeah, so, I will say on OKC though, I'll almost blindly bet them uh, at the start of the season, if they're double digit dogs yeah. uh, and SGA and Lou Jordan in the lineup, I think they will be scrappy and competitive in, in games. I, yeah. I think they're going to be better than people think that they are ahead in the season. Preston, you got uh, something you want to add on win totals? Two quick things before we can wrap. So first one's analytical, one's more like for fun. Uh, I wanted to give a shout out. Uh, Kostya Medvedovsky does NBA analytics. He was making a point the other day about the Chicago Bulls and any predictive power of preseason results. And uh, Stephen knows someone else that was breaking this down. And he, he said, hey, I went through the last 15 years of NBA data in the preseason. Any team that has had a 17 and a half or greater net rating uh, has won at least 44 to 59 games. The Bulls are at the time were on pace to have the greatest preseason net rating in the history of the NBA. Now, uh, Mividoski's point was, I'll do a full write-up later in this thread. I'm reading his tweet here directly, but he said a plus 32 and a half preseason net rating suggests we should bump our expectation on Chicago for the regular season by about one and a half points per 100 possessions. And so their win totals actually moved a game since this was posted from like 42 and a half to 43 and a half. But this Bulls team might actually be pretty good. Their depth stinks. Outside of like Patrick Williams off the bench potentially, or they're going to maybe have issues depth if they're healthy, their defense uh, is actually, I think, going to be okay. Um, Justin wants to say something, but that's I'll the first point. Just interject this real quick. Yeah. So they played the Cavs twice and the Pelicans without Zion, like two horrendous teams. But that's how you build your win total. You beat the bad teams. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you, be, so, it's how you that's, build but, your win total. So, I mean, I actually was talking with Raw about this because we were like, holy shit, the, the Bulls are super exciting this year uh, with Luke Alonso with an actual point guard. They were like, wait, they played the Cavs twice in the Pelicans. Like, should we really be that excited yet? Or you're right. You shouldn't. You got to temper expectations. Not, like, we're just hoping they could be a playoff team, really. Yeah. But the point is that the the amount in which they've beaten them, right? Yeah. To, to beat them by this much is worth something. It's not like they're beating them. Although they did just win by one, I think last night. So you know, it depends on on the results and the actual uh, format of it. So I think that's a fun one. I wouldn't bet the bulls over, but there's a chance they're just really good. So oh, I already have and, and to make the, you already have. I'm all in baby. All right. There you go. What's your Last one. one. Fun one. Also in the Eastern conference is I, I think the, the all like prove it team this year of former lottery picks that are just going to be scrappy as hell game to game. The Orlando magic, only 22 and a half wins. We're talking about Mo Bamba in the preseason going off. You have Wendell Carter Jr. Markel Fultz is still there. You add Jalen Suggs. You add Franz Wagner. You also have his older brother, uh, Maritz Wagner. And then you have Jonathan Isaac coming back from injury, who was extremely impactful prior to that. When he's back, I think they'll be, they're going to be good defensively regardless. Guy like Cole Anthony. And then you still have Gary Harris, who might get traded eventually, and Terrence Ross as just guys that can supply and get you some buckets and at least add, for Gary Harris's sake, uh, some more defense. They could get to 23 wins. They're the all-prove-it. We were former lottery picks. We're going to F you up right now, every night. Like, mini Knicks in that regard, where I just don't think you're going to see a tanking season until, like, maybe really late from the Orlando Magic. Thoughts? 22 and a half. It's so low. I, I think they tank. Uh, I think Jonathan Isaac gets, like, the kid glove treatment when he comes back. They'll manage his minutes 
significantly. They'll sit them out like back to back, stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> this team is MCW? young. MCW? They're like 12 deep. And, well, MCW and Marco Fultz are both out. Like they're going to miss a start. Yeah, I know. They're not going to be ready right away. Right? So. Ooh, uh, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> no. if, you're, if you're Orlando, would you not like just like keep those guys on the shelf and like lose games and try to get like you know Chet or uh, Paolo or you know Duran or some of these other guys that are top? I don't try. know. I, I'm I'm I have like legit tank concerns about this team potentially. Oh, for sure. I don't I have like a. I don't have a projection system, so I just go in there and I'm like tinkering with like how many wins I think they'll get and try and fit inside the number. Uh, my first run, I had them at 13. So I have them. Did you, did you adjust for 82 games this season versus? Seven? I did. I did. And still, um, wow. I am worried because preseason looks good. Here's another word to Preston's point, actually. And it's another reason I'm getting real nervous about it. The team with the lowest win total has hit the over in nine of the past 12 seasons, including Charlotte in 2020. They had 23 wins against 23 and a half when they stopped play due to COVID. So we assume they get one more win than Charlotte would have gone over. So nine of the past 12 seasons, the team with the lowest win total, which is Orlando, has gone on the over. Like, it makes sense, right? Like, this is the same thing as we're, we talk about in everything, buying low, right? You're buying low on the Orlando Magic. I just... I don't believe in Isaac. I don't believe in Bamba. I'm starting to believe in WCJ a little bit. They have a bunch of guards, but like Suggs has looked terrible. Cole's looked okay, but he's limited. Fultz, the injuries are always a concern. Isaac, the injuries are always a concern. They're going to have to trade Terrence Ross, and then they're going to tank. That said, the par is really, really low, and I'm definitely rethinking it. Like I had 22 and a half under as like one of my best bets, and I'm like, that was a bad bet. Like that was just a bad bet. Like by me, like that. Look, I'm not one. even. I'm not even suggesting to bet it. I just think it's an interesting, yeah. like to have this many guys that were supposed to be good that just weren't all kind of c- colliding into one team. There's just going to be something extra there. I think for at least like till the All Star break. And you're right, they might end up tanking anyway. But we'll see. For, for the record, I think this will be a really good Bo Obama year. Um, okay. They're yeah. playing in that center a lot. They're they're moving Wendell over to power forward. I hate the double big look, obviously, but they're going to do it. They're rolling with it. They're they're yeah. pot committed. It's like they're uh, you know one of the two one of the two worst teams in the league, Cleveland and Orlando, both both uh, pushing all in on the double bigs. It's it's a uh, what, what a world. Um, but yeah, I. I I like Obama this year. I think he's going to have a, a big year. Shout out, shout out, uh, our friend, uh, Scott Blumstein, uh, all in on, all in on Mobamba. Uh, I think, I think he'll have a good year. I can think of no better way to end this pod than with Mobamba hype. Yeah. I'm very excited for this. Gentlemen, thanks so much for joining me on Buckets. Really appreciate it. Preston Johnson, you can find him on Twitter at Sports Cheetah. Uh, Justin Fan, you can find him on Twitter at JP Hennad. And you can find me on Twitter at HP Basketball. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Download the Action Network app. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you guys again next time on Buckets.